This is GamesAtWork.biz with your hosts, Michael Martin, Michael Rowe, and Andy Piper. This is your weekly podcast about gamification, gaming technology, and play. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone, not of any organization which we have been, are, or will be affiliated. This is episode 382. Know it when I see it. Hello and welcome again to another edition of GamesAtWork.biz. This is Michael Martin. I'm here along with my friend and co-host, Mr. Andy Piper, for uh, another opportunity to talk tech and coffee and um, all kinds of good fun stuff. Andy, how are you doing today? That is, I am well. That was an amazing transition already mentioning coffee. So uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm great. Um, I had a, an opportunity this week actually to be interviewed on another podcast, um, which I'd love to give a shout out to called Coffee and Open Source. Oh. So if you are interested in listening uh, to me talk about talk for about an hour with a, an interviewer about my career, history, the fact that I studied history, technology, um, lots of things that have changed in technology in the last 20 years, uh, open source, community, other things, then check out the latest episode of Coffee and Open Source. I recommend the show. I've been listening to the show myself for a couple of months, and they have uh, Isaac, the presenter, has some interesting people um, from the tech space, particularly in the open source and community kind of space, and it's a fun listen. Um, so yeah, that was that was great. And um, generally speaking, I am feeling good, and I'm. Looking forward to talking about what's new and what is interesting on the internet this awesome. week. Awesome, same here. Well, we're going to kick things off with a um, with an assertion because we've been talking about metaverse here for a little while, and there's an assertion that uh, the real metaverse—I mean, maybe they have a handle, real metaverse or something like that—is uh, <laughs> it already exists and it's called Fortnite. Um, this article is one you found wow. from Mashable. Fortnite yeah. wins. Um, Winner, winner, what was your dinner? thoughts about uh, what this particular author had to say about Fortnite? I thought this was really an interesting story because, do you know, given that we do a show that is quite heavily focused around topics like 3D internet, virtual worlds, uh, and the metaverse, and we've been talking about these topics for, as we've said several times, about 15 mm. years, I'd, I'd actually missed that Fortnite started out not as the Battle Royale game that I'm more familiar with it as, but as a uh, a space for doing other things. Um, to uh, It was kind of a, a survival-type game similar to Minecraft, mm-hmm. I, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, and then pivoted to a, a Battle Royale game, which was very popular. And then uh, we've talked many times about the fact that there have been these virtual music experiences and other experiences in there. But uh, I hadn't thought about it in the way that this uh, article talks about it. So the story here is really that Fortnite has been around already for five, six, seven years. And uh, I think 2017, so what's that, five years. Um, And across that time, it's evolved. And it is a space where you can have a Ready Player One style experience of multiple genres, multiple activities happening in the same space. And I hadn't thought about it. I simply hadn't thought about it like that. So 
that it's an interesting article. Um, it's on Mashable. Uh, and the story, interestingly, goes from Meta and Horizon to focus on Fortnite and all the stuff that's in Fortnite and then goes back to talking about Meta and actually says Meta still wins in the end. Uh-huh. Now, I have a, a, a Meta quest. Uh, I have to keep checking myself when I describe or, or name it because it's changed names yep. several times, uh, I think. Uh, and I recently did all the updates on that because I don't wear it all the time. Um, it's an occasional thing that I dip into. And, and I'd also got new uh, glasses, so I needed to adjust all the lenses and things so that I could see properly in there. And what I had not tried, even though I've had the beta installed, was Horizon Worlds, which mm-hmm. is the sort of the big name now in in the whole meta space. So one of the reasons I got interested was that I got a notification saying, hey, you don't need an Oculus account or a Facebook account to sign into this thing now. You need a meta account. And you can choose to create a new meta account by linking it to your Facebook or Instagram account, but you don't have to. And I thought, okay, well. So what did you do? Let's create a meta. Let's create a meta account then. And then I had to create a meta account. And then I had to, oh, that wasn't, that was a bit messy. It was linking, unlinking, rebooting, various things. Eventually, I think I've got it working. Uh, And you also get some slightly different avatar options. But then I tried Horizon, Horizon Worlds. Uh, which I hadn't tried yet. And that's one of the things that this story um, is bookended with. So the experience of floating legless bodies and virtual offices. <laughs> uh, so I went into the tutorial world um, with my headset. And, and the core thing here is that it does require the headset. I think we spoke a while ago about them building some mobile apps for, for Horizon Worlds and, and not needing the headset. But right now it requires the headset as far as I understand mm-hmm. it. Um, and it is immersive in that sense, for sure. Um, the ability to use your um, VR controllers to move around, pick things up, throw paper aeroplanes from the top of a tower in one of the mini games in the initial area. It's immediately voice enabled, which you may or may not be comfortable with. Uh, I didn't love that initially because I was still getting used to what was going on in the space versus Second Life when back in the day, I know I'm rewinding 15 years to talk about it nearly, but that wasn't at all initially the voice enabled. Uh, and But the weird thing is everybody's floating. They don't have legs in Horizon Worlds. They, you kind of, uh, yeah, you're kind of these floating little bodies. Well, but that, wasn't that a design um, principle? Yeah, it was. It was. But it was it was a bit it does kind of take you then out back out of the immersion. Um, I'd love to hang out with some people I know in there and really see what we can we can do uh, as a as a group. I played with some of the building tools, um, but now I am very tempted to go check out Fortnite again um, in some different contexts than I've been used to. I think pretty much every time I've ever been into Fortnite, I've ended up getting shot at, destroyed, and otherwise, <laughs> you know, humiliated in some way. Um, I not really understood what was going on, but this story on Mashable really makes it sound pretty, pretty cool. I liked what the author had to say about the experience of um, not being in the Battle Royale, but just being in the environment and just taking advantage of it, right? 
So that, that kind of reminded me a little bit of the Grand Theft Auto sort of experience where you have an enormous amount of real estate at your disposal and you can just move around. Right. So he talks about getting in a boat and being on one of the big lakes and kind of zipping around in his boat or or walking around or driving around. <clears throat> and you can encounter other people. He doesn't find talking to strangers all that intriguing. I, I would tend to agree. So the uh, some of the emoting that you can do is the, you know, weirdo, weird, weirdo. Sorry, I shouldn't put it that way. Uh, the dances that you can do <laughs> in various places. Uh, and that is a way of communicating, I guess, with other people, even though you might be doing the exact same dance uh, in the same spot. But um, I, I've not spent a ton of time at all in the Fortnite environment either because I had linked it so heavily towards the battle royale drop in one person is the winner and everybody else not so much right but um but but maybe there's more in the exploration notion that you can see what else is going on and you can stumble across uh, other builds and structures much like you would in minecraft right i i was reading this story this morning i believe it may have been posted today and began to think about our show and our um, positions as metaverse explorers, as we Uh have been um, for some time. Certainly people that have an opinion on this space, but uh, was thinking, you know what, if I'm not trying these things, then I should probably get involved or be a bit more aware of them uh, in order to be to, to have more of a realistic view. So it, it definitely gave me a nudge, this story, in that direction. The, the it, It's written quite well as well. Um, I, I think one of the core things that they talk about several times here is the ubiquity from a device perspective as well of the fact that, you know, you've got it on every... You can get it on every device. You don't need to go and buy a VR headset. Right. It's already available in different places. Um, it may not be immersive. It may have some janky controls, but... Um, there's uh, a lot of opportunity to get involved. So, yeah, definitely made me think again about what I know, what I haven't tried, what I should explore. So that moves us, I think, to another game experience that uh, came across my feed earlier this week uh, called Pentiment. And while while I don't have the requisite um, environment to play this particular game, I did have uh, a chance to watch the uh, Here's the Experience on uh, Microsoft's Xbox and what I found intriguing about this was the whole uh, renaissance perspective. It almost like you were entering into artwork. And the user mm. experience was also really clever, too, that the um, instead of speech bubbles and text uh, that would appear above people's heads or, you know, a, a lot of the, the voice acting kinds of things, uh, I play many of my games with the sound off entirely. I don't know about you know, you, Andy, but that's just one of the things I do, I guess, when I'm around other people, I don't want to disturb them. So I have the sound off. And uh, what was kind of cool that you wouldn't have that experience if the sound were off is that the text bubbles had this little pen scratching kind of thing, like a quill was going across parchment as the people were talking with one another. And that was really a thing to draw you in as opposed to like the uh, torso only version in Horizon Worlds kind of pulls you back out again. Th- those touches seem to draw you in. I-, I I really thought that was an intriguing, different user experience of of keeping people in the game. 
So this is a game, again, called Pentiment from um, Obsidian. This came up at uh, the recent Xbox and Bethesda game showcase that's sort of showcasing all of the cool stuff that's coming out um, for the next six to 12 months, I think. I think there are possibly some ones that were further out. But yes, the thing that attracted me to this, again, as a histor an historian, an historian, um, the medieval artwork look of it is unique i think um it somewhat reminds me of those animations in that you see in episodes of monty python that yes, terry gillum yes, used yes, to yes. do um and i'm sure that partly is intentional or inspired uh, has some inspiration from that it um it, but i'm also really excited about what we are able to read and discern about the gameplay that you know it's not, it, it, yes it's pretty um, but it, it, there's a game there, you know, there, there's something that, that works uh, that you can get involved in, you can be immersed by. And um, I, yeah, I'm definitely, this is on my wish list. I definitely want to play this and, and check it out. And of course, um, brush up on my uh, medieval re font and text uh, <laughs> reading. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I'm looking forward to this one for sure. It's uh, a little bit off the wall in terms of you know the standard RPG or MMORPG or first world shooter or racing game, whatever. But I've been a fan of off the wall and indie-ish games for quite some time. So it gives you a different experience. It reminds you that there are loads of ways to have fun. You don't just have to uh, get involved in one of the two or three top triple a games yeah and, and it allows all kinds of a choose your own adventure sort of stuff which is not exactly new but you get to choose your story and your background for this character as you interact with others and that that i thought was also kind of interesting and and in the gameplay from at least the video that i saw uh it, the game reminds you that your choices have consequences you know even small ones in the beginning will you know add up you know into into the larger experiences as you go uh, a little bit like the cat game that we were we were talking about too you know a few weeks ago or, or, or you and michael did anyway um i couldn't make that show stray, stray. that's right yeah, you have the same kind of thing i was about to yeah i was about to throw a reference to stray into my previous <laughs> thought but uh, you picked it up for me yes absolutely it, it definitely which is an, a game i got deeply deeply engaged in or a couple of nights and, and and quite a few hours and never and haven't finished and haven't gone back to yet because I've got distracted by other things because I have the mind a mind like a, a steel sieve, a sieve or <laughs> yeah or just generally get easily distracted by shiny things so so yeah. so shiny things and medieval uh, lets us go right mm. to the next topic nicely set up andy um and this particular article from slate caught my eye because of its uh provocative title the provocative title was don't read lords or the rings before watching rings of power it's fine um and i and i did read this and um <laughs> I read the article because of, because of that, um, and I will not introduce any spoilers at all about Rings of Power uh, because that will probably be bad for a lot of people in our audience. Um, and you, because I would immediately just switch off our yeah, recording. and that would and be bad. You'd be talking yes, to yourself. so we're not going to do that. Um, but th this particular article 
was interesting because it's it's actually written by if I recall it's an English professor uh, who was like oh yeah don't bar don't worry about reading all the stuff you know just go and enjoy it it's fine and um, yeah I, I it can be fine and sometimes there is blissful ignorance right that's that's there um, it references Harry Potter and and the movies for Harry Potter which are generally pretty true to the books, but not always in every circumstance. And for those people that are um, bibliophiles, they will want to see a strict adherence to what was done in the text and show that in the movies. But we all know that that's not necessarily possible. Um, In this case, my understanding is, is that Amazon had acquired the rights to The Hobbit and to the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but not the other texts like the Cimmerillion and like all the other materials that Christopher Tolkien had assembled after the passing of his, of his dad and, and all the other elements here. Mm, so mm. Um, it gives you permission to go and enjoy, even if you are not that deep on everything. And that's a good thing, I think, for a broad audience. I've read a couple of impressions, reviews, not things that have given me spoilers mostly. Um, There was at least one that kind of was a top three ways in which this diverges from this. And I thought, but but because it's based on appendices, notes and background information and stories told within the context of the Lord of the Rings trilogy by characters to other characters about the Mm -hmm. past... Um, it, it evidently has a lot of flexibility to do some interesting things. Uh, I am looking forward to watching it. I did really love the original three Lord of the Rings movies. I have all three Hobbit movies on Blu-ray and have never watched them. Um, but that wasn't. That's not. That's by the way, not an intent. I say that breezily, but it's not an intentional thing i just have never got around to it or found the time or stopped to think oh i should watch those uh i am looking forward to this um especially since it's tv and i think that serialization on television can can make a big difference to things so i'm really curious to see how they do i read another review as well that talked really about the visual splendor Mm -hmm. of this and the final thing i read um this morning about it was somebody who attended the premiere in London in Leicester oh, Square wow. and had an absolutely terrible time, was treated evidently like cattle. Indeed, the I believe the, the competition winners who got to go and attend this uh, star study thing, they were actually corralled into a thing that was called something like uh, uh, competition winner's pen. <laughs> uh, oh so it was pretty clear, you know, they were... And, and and yeah, and especially they were left with no information, very cramped on the edge of of a square in London with no information and no, had been told not to bring anything to eat or drink um, or not to bring any open containers and just were treated very badly. And that made me very sad to That's read that unfortunate. story. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, um, I'm looking forward to seeing it and, and I'm glad to hear... Um, that you connected with this, this piece. You're right. It does. It does. Um, it, the, the writer is indeed a professor professor of English in uh, uh, in, in in their day job. Um, so, yes, it should be interesting. And they also do a a nice piece in in their in the middle of there about 
referring to Game Game of Thrones and Watchmen and other things that have diverted diverged from the source material in different ways. Of course, we we shared between the three of us regular hosts this week something that diverged from the Star Wars trilogy um, that was published from Disney, I believe. Uh, I remember you sent us Michael a a Disney cruise uh, <laughs> thing that referred to a a character called Hans. So, yeah, that... Uh, that was that was fairly upsetting and definitely a divergence from the source material that I would not have expected from the copyright holder. Yeah, well, I, I think but, that was uh, because the author of that particular article has young children. They were probably sleep deprived to begin with, and they were writing about <laughs> uh, the there's a there's like small world like an IKEA. Um, there there's a version of that on the Disney ship, um, which is the Swedish. Uh, place where you drop off your kids and it had a um oh yes that I had remember. a frozen you know sort of language to it and isn't there a hans i think there's a hans and frozen isn't there oh yes there so is that probably fact, yes, probably is what the, you know uh, mixed up that author but it was funny to see that there's a hans solo hmm. uh there yeah uh, that was rough um you know sticking on the art theme for one moment longer or maybe not one moment longer but a little bit um there's an ars technica article that you found andy quite quite amazing too um a a a portrait a picture i guess uh, a painting maybe is the right thing to say uh, of um of a state fair art contest winner that was done by ai and we've talked a little bit about um can artificial intelligence write patents and can artificial intelligence uh, gain you know other things that uh, have human requirements against it and this article is all about uh should ai be allowed to win a competition where there's humans and ai now ai is competing there i guess (laughs) uh what what were your thoughts about this well I've used Midjourney. In fact, I think so far that's the only one. No, I've used uh, the Crayon one as well. Um, I have access to Dali. I have not yet taken advantage of that. I, it's been in, sitting in my Gmail reminders mm-hmm. for a while that I need to go follow up on that. Um, but I tried Midjourney and uh, I found it chaotically confusing because of the way that you interact with it through Discord. But it, I mean, it's it's very very cool. And this person has, as he says, created hundreds of images using it and then done tons of fine tuning, curating through different um, descriptions and then actually entered them into the Colorado State Fair. Uh, I think the art image is very attractive. Um, It's interesting that it's created by an AI. Uh, it's not, you know, hand painted or drawn. It is a, uh, I think it is the digital. It's it's actually in the digital art slash digitally manipulated photography category. So there is no necessary pretense that this is all genuine, hand created or photographed. But but the judges didn't um, know it, that it was a AI generated version, right? That's yeah. correct. That's correct. So there's an element of pretense around whether or not this was created by hand as a digital image versus uh, being fully created through uh, an AI. I have some thoughts. I'm not sure where they they land yet. The conversation this particular piece in Ars Technica calls out is one that um, they call out threads and conversations on Twitter and Reddit and, and Discord. 
about it and the comparison between the end of human artistry because of AI versus this just being another way in which we will level up. We've done this with synthesizers before in music and I've learned and grown from that. Although the Hammond organ, uh, I, you know, is not a synthesizer, but it's got that great sound and the keyboard action, and it is a synthesized sound. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's a really good comparison, and, isn't it? But it goes back, but it also re- refers to the invention of the mm-hmm. camera and com- uh, by comparison to, uh, to hand drawings and paintings and portraits and so on. So um, progress happens for certain. I had this conversation Earlier this week, when I was talking to Isaac on the Coffee and Open Source podcast about, I, I I think I referred to it as the the Wesley Crusher thing, where, you know, you you learn we've we've learned a certain amount about the universe by the age of fifteen or sixteen or whatever age he was supposed to have been in the in the next generation, and of course he is supposedly some kind of genius who understands, you know, metaphysics beyond current actual existence, you know, uh, and uh, metaphysics and real physics, uh, astrophysics, and the argument there is: well, once upon a time, the the, the printing press was, uh, or in this case, um, the, the the camera a pho- a photograph was magic, know, a big deal, a magic, right? Absolutely, and it becomes foundational. So it's it is interesting to see how the world responds and evolves, and how we react to it. Um, the big story this week, beyond this one, which was which was a big story related to to art. Um, well, there were two actually. There was an excellent, excellent piece, um, John Oliver piece uh, from last week tonight, um, where he talked about um, some people using Mid Journey to create uh, John Oliver art, <laughs> and of course he took it took it to took it to the usual extreme, John Oliver yeah. kind of epic, epic extreme conclusions, mm-hmm. uh, which I won't spoil for listeners, but I think we'll try and find oh, a way yeah. to to put the clip into the show notes because it's very, very good and very funny. Um, but the other one was that um, Diffusion, uh, uh, Stable Diffusion went public this week as well, which is another one of these um, AI models or these um, models that enable you uh, uh, digital art to be created. This is about the fourth or fifth kind of major iteration mm-hmm. slash style of these models. Uh, and that one has also... Uh, freaked out the internet this week, so um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the one that, that that can evidently do a lot more, uh, especially around faces. Um, oh, I think I saw that. Yeah, yeah. To be very um, interested in, interesting in that space, and then the, the ones that are cartoon people. characters turned into real people. Yeah, right? that's right. Yeah. That's right. And then you've got some people that I've got a ton of respect for and have followed for a long time, Andy Bio. And Simon Willison mm-hmm. um, have done a lot of um, research into the actual images that have trained stable diffusion. So uh, that's another little bonus link that we didn't have in our original show notes, but I will. But being an, being an audio podcast, soon. definitely go to the show notes, check out these things because you'll, you'll be wowed by them. And, and Andy, I, I may be misremembering this and forgive me if that's the case. But I seem to recall at once upon a time, too, um, that you had said that one of your superpowers was your ability to use Google and be able to search for things. Mm. Am I am I remembering that's that actually, right? Actually, that is that is a that is a true yeah. statement. That is a true so, statement. So 
think think about this for a moment. Um, the 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 painter with the oil and the paintbrush and the canvas equivalency to someone who can use Google search super effectively is the equivalency to someone who can use Midjourney to create capabilities and visual experiences. I it it seems to be a constant threat, doesn't it? Um, there's definitely an argument along those lines. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I, I like that a lot. And, and, um, and I, and I believe that the whole notion here of, uh, art will continue to evolve and uh, user experience will evolve and uh, tools and structure will continue to evolve too. Like I, I would be hopeless in trying to, uh, describe paint, uh, a human face. Um, but if I had these kind of tools at my disposal that could help me and augment the idea that I was trying to express, um, and I could refine and refine it, you know, there's some interesting things that could come, right? And and games is a place where off, oftentimes this sort of thing happens. Uh, we did talk about this some few episodes ago about, oh, uh, San Andreas Fault or something like that, where they did some special uh, AI seeding for what the hills in California look like and what they're supposed to look like. And then that was now ingested into the game engine and, you know, made it look more real based upon the way things are. Um, I want to shift gears for a second to a podcast that is actually uh, a, a little long to to go listen to. If I remember, yeah, it's, a, it's an hour 12, so it's a, it's a little bit long. That took me, I think, three trips back and forth to, to the dojo to, to make sure I could listen to it all. And it says from the Erza Klein show from the New York Times, uh, high, high quality podcast production stuff. We aspire to that sort of thing for ourselves. And, you know, we're, we don't have the production staff that he does. But um, this particular <laughs> podcast had a number of intriguing things around a, a life-changing philosophy of games and the, the host uh, that he had on, in place there. Um, what I liked about it the most was the discussion around, around the gamification of life and the mm. um, notion of agency and reducing um, – decision making down to easily measurable numerical quantifiable elements. So without trying to summarize the whole podcast, the, 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 the gem that I'm going to pull out of it deals with rotten tomatoes. And I, I think our audience mm-hmm. knows an awful lot about rotten tomatoes and this will apply. You'll see in a second back to all the things we've just been talking about. Um, rotten tomatoes allows you to say a movie is certified fresh. It's awesome, right? hundred percent. Everybody loves it. Um, Great art, I would say, though, great art is not universally adored. Great art oftentimes have people that feel like they were transformed by it. It was so amazing. It was life-changing, life-altering. And that same piece of art could have been absolutely despised by others. And if you imagine Hmm. that sort of notion applied to Rotten Tomatoes, um, Andy, you might have absolutely loved the movie. I might have hated the movie, and that would now be a 50% rating on Rotten Tomatoes if it was just you and I voting on it. And that's not super helpful necessarily to others that are saying, should I watch this movie or not? Because Andy and Michael voted, and it came out 50-50. But the reality is, is that could be the hallmark of great art. 
of something that is amazing because it influenced people so dramatically. So it was one interesting little gem I, I took out of this particular podcast. And I just thought that sort of data, data visualization is super relevant in this day and age. Well, that, the actual podcast episode you've um, picked out and shared here is um, actually a was actually a, a reissue. It was a reissue. Right? Yes, so it was recorded in, in February. Recorded at the beginning of the year, and then it's been reissued in August, which um, which is interesting. So I'm definitely going to check this out myself. But you were talking about toma uh, tomatoes, tomatoes, um, potatoes, <laughs> potatoes, etc. And uh, I was wondering what your uh, opinion was of the uh, 1978 movie Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. tomatoes. Uh, you know, the, the songs in it were pretty terrible. It was very campy. Um, wasn't it Puberty Love? I think that was in that in that. Um, probably. Possibly. But anyway, I was yeah. just curious if whether that was your, you know, certified fresh or. Yeah, it was not, not a certified fresh one. It was more it was more camp no. than anything else. Right. Yeah. Oh, well, never mind. Never mind. All right. So. Oh, that's really interesting. We've um, uh, that's yeah. So we've given you a podcast in, uh, recommendation at the top of the show. You've been listening to our podcast, and then there's another podcast to go listen to as well. So, I hope you're going to be going and uh, listening, in, engaging your podcatcher, and checking out a, a ton of different content. exactly. And you know what, Andy? Why don't Why don't we end, if we will, on some of the mm -hmm. Lenovo new announcements here? Because that falls in pretty nicely with uh, folds, haha, uh, in pretty nicely with what we have been talking about from the MetaQuest and and the like here. So um, we've got some intriguing uh, mixed reality kinds of experiences with Lenovo's T. What do they call T one glasses? that will be available in theory in 2023. You see, they, they just make me think of think, uh, ThinkPads because ThinkPads are T, I've got a T-series, mm -hmm. and now they're making glasses with a T-series. Well, maybe they'll easy. work together. Um, it does actually connect nicely back to what we talked about with the Meta mm -hmm. headset because apparently next month they've got a next generation of that coming out, and I still think that that needs to, and of course the, there's the Apple story as well about their rumored uh, reality set, I believe, that's ex expected to be called re possibly Reality One. All oh, right, or, uh, something along those lines. Now, but uh, yeah, the it's it's really interesting to see that. It reminds me the, the the image of the person sitting watching or using the glasses to watch a virtual screen. Kind of reminds me a little bit of the glasses that were issued with the 3D TV sets a mm -hmm. few years back, not not too long ago. Again, within the last. Yeah, that didn't years. last long, did it? Uh, it didn't. It didn't. Um, so uh, yeah, it's. I'm wondering how all of this is going to play out. Well, we'll see. Uh, I, it's. It, you know, we know that it's going to end up with, um, you know, eyeballs being modified with spiders, with spiders, or anything else. Maybe just yeah. Huh. They, 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 the the gadgets look good. The gadgets look really nice and really shiny. And the ThinkPad X One Fold uh, looks very nice as well just a kind of a foldable tablet style thing. Um, I'm curious to see how they um, come to market and generally, yeah, I mean, it's, it's had a, they've had a good hardware uh, heritage. So it's really curious to see how some of these things manifest when they're actually in the hands of consumers or, or businesses. Yes, absolutely. And it's, it's slimmer when unfolded. Well, of course it is when you, when you unfold something, it will get thinner when you do that. <laughs> but, uh, I, it struck me almost like butterfly keyboard esque there for a moment, uh, going, harkening back to some of the older ThinkPad models too. So, getting right. expanding, yes. yeah, yeah. it's it's bigger on the outside, yeah. I think. 
right? Yes, that's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think we'll leave it there. Um, we're sorry that we've uh, we're missing a, one of our co-hosts for this time around, but we're hoping to be back full strength again in the, our next September episode. And we do hope that if you see something interesting or if you've got a piece of art that you're pretty passionate about, let us know uh, over at games at work underscore biz. And we'll see you again next time. Bye, everybody. See ya. You've been listening to gamesatwork.biz, the podcast about gaming technology and play. We are part of the Blueberry Podcasting Network and would like to thank the band Random Encounters for their song, Big Blue. You can follow us on Twitter at gamesatwork underscore biz or at our website at gamesatwork.biz. 